0: Podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit RedemptionAZ.com. My name is Aaron Daly, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here. And this is Wes, and he is one of the pastors. And I, I am so thankful to be standing on stage for this series. Let me um, take a minute and tell you why. Uh, I have Wes up here with me also, is because um, there is a big, bigger story to this series than um, just us going, hey, what would be cool to preach about? Um, there is a lot of prayer and time that has gone into this. And so, as Wes and I were talking about it this week, I felt like, man, I want the people in our congregation to understand a little bit of the backstory. Of all of this, and we're starting a series today that I am extremely excited about, called Tapestry. And let me just give you a couple of quick, uh, uh, you know, housekeeping things. If you need a Bible, which if you didn't bring one today, then we will make sure. Um, that you get one in your hands because uh, because we want you to have a Bible. We're not going to put the Scriptures up there on the screen. So if we want that in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, then uh, this is our gift to you. So if you need a Bible, Dave's walking around there. Just raise your hand at him. He'll get that in your hand, and uh, we'll make sure that you have that Bible, and, and you could take that home with you. Um, the other thing is... Uh, If if, At the end of the service we're going to be taking communion and and today is a special time of communion I think for me just because of this series. I want you to hear all that we're going to be talking about um, because this series has really been uh, about nine months in the making if not more than than that. so I, I want to tell a little bit of my story, and then I'm going to have Wes tell a little bit of his um, and, and so that you can kind of see the backstory of this. Uh, one is is this: I came to this neighborhood, which is Alhambra, which is a big area of of, of Phoenix. it's one of the urban villages of Phoenix. Um, I came to this neighborhood twelve years ago uh, thirteen almost thirteen years ago, because of a couple of things. one because I felt a calling. To inner city ministry, the kind of ministry that is focused in upon uh, those those. Brothers and sisters, those who I, I see as the, created the image and the likeness of God, but have a very, diverse, a very diverse neighborhood. I didn't want to just go to a neighborhood where there was uh, just kind of a mono-ethnic feel. I really wanted some diversity. Now that not just ethnically, but also financially, and all the things that you could think of um, that, that are a part of this neighborhood. We felt like there were two things that we really wanted to focus in on, and that was diversity, even years ago as God has changed us and grown, a diversity of ethnicity and then ministry with the poor. Those two things were at the heart and the core of everything that we wanted to do. We wanted diversity with unity and we wanted um, we wanted ministry with the poor. And we'll kind of explain that over this series, but one would be we want Unity is what we want, but we want unity that is diverse, okay? We want unity, but we want unity that is diverse, and we want ministry with the poor. We don't want to just do ministry to the poor, we want to be in community with the poor, and we want to have a diverse group of class in the same room. And so, and and we believe that that's the way the church. Was called to do. So there was a lot of theology behind that, but there was also a lot of personal story to that. I was not raised in an inner city environment, but God did a work in my heart and and, and placed in me a desire for that. And so all of my life and ministry for my wife and I has been focused in on what does it look like to do those two things. And then about two years ago or a year and a half ago, is that what it was? um, God brought. Wes and his family and a crew with him. You could give Wes a hand. Um, and Wes was uh, has his own story that I wanted him to share. So Wes, why don't you go ahead and share a little bit of that of yeah. that story?
1: One cool thing about my story is I'm able to stand right here next to Pastor Aaron as he talks and not talk and not feel uncomfortable. (laughs) That's tapestry, you know what I'm saying? I'm able to stand here and look at my brother and really enjoy listening to him this close and not be able to talk. (laughs) But one of the ideas of tapestry that came into my mind was when I first came to redemption and I met Pastor Aaron in the elder staff, they have a plurality of elders, meaning there isn't like one head honcho dude. They do everything together, and they truly work together. And that was my first real glimpse of, like, tapestry and what this is, and I wanted to be a part of that. And I knew that this could happen, finally could happen, not only in theory, because every church you go to, in theory, they say they want multicultural, transcultural type stuff, but it really doesn't play out like that. So when I saw the plurality of the elders here, I was able to see, like, oh, my goodness, this can actually happen. They really do work together. They make decisions together. They go through all things together. And then I started having vision about what does that look like on a congregational level. Yeah. And I was actually, to, I was actually able to really visualize that for the first time, of actually really happening, and not just in theory but in actuality. And so when I did that and I was able to envision that uh, – I started thinking to myself and Aaron and I got together and started praying about how this can be played out for real. And it was a desire on our hearts. It's been a desire for 12 years of his life. It's been a desire for two years of mine since I've got to know him. And I, we actually get the honor to see that played out here. So this series isn't birthed out of us just wanting to just do something. This series is birthed out of a desire for us to actually have a transcultural Meaning just like people coming together of different ethnicities, not giving up who you are in God, but coming together in Christ, celebrating. We are a church that are able to celebrate who you are in God. And one of my aims for this series, and I know it's Pastor Aaron's aim as well, is to allow somebody to come in here and feel comfortable with who they are yeah. in God, like my mother-in-law and my wife. I would love for them to be able to come here and speak in Vietnamese without worried about people, number one, judging them and what I think is worse, making fun of them behind their back. But able to come in here and celebrate who they are, people from Africa, able to speak in their native tongues and know that this is a comfortable place where they're able to do that because the culture is Christ Yeah, and we're one ethnicity, right? So that's where, that's where we're at and that's what my aim is for this series. So.
0: Yeah, and there's a couple of things, and then I'm going to have Wes pray, and we're going to dive right into it. But the big thing for us is that we want everybody in here to have a glimpse, a glimpse of what the kingdom could look like, what the kingdom will look like, and and what we as a people of God should desire as we want to be a foretaste of that. And the purpose of this series is that we would take things that the enemy tries to use to divide us. And that we would see how God has made those things not to divide us, but as something for us to, in unity, display His kingdom to the world around us. And as Wes and I started talking about this, over the last year, we've been meeting with a group of, of people of different diversity, different ages, different uh, class, different... different. And we've been sitting in the same rooms and just having these discussions, sitting at the table together. And it has been one of the most fruitful times of life and ministry for, for me. And that's why I want you to see that as we have come into this, this hasn't been some sporadic thing. We've done a lot of prayer A lot of reading, a lot of study, and a lot of sitting at tables together and talking about what is God wanting to do in this place. So before we jump into some scripture, Wes, would you pray that God would have his way as we enter into this time?
1: Yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great honor we are to sit here in this church. We actually get to live out our desire We aren't just grasping for something in the future, but you made it a reality for us. Thank you, God. Today, in this present moment, we get to realize what it's like to be a congregation that actually values race and gender in all different walks of life as we come together, forming one ethnicity, like a new species called the royal priesthood. (sighs) And in you, God, our identity is found. we are is not lost but the fullness of who we are is gained in you yes the purpose of why we were created is made known and we get to walk individually and corporately in this new life that we have in your son in Christ is the great tapestry of the nations knitted together in love may this series be more than just words spoken God but may it become the core of who we are May the heart of our church penetrate the minds of your people, causing us to live in a renewed life that values all of life, no matter how different we appear to be. Yes. May this time be a reflection. May this time be a transformation. And may this time be when your kingdom outshines our own. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. All right. can you turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I I have to tell you just personally, I am extremely excited to go through this series. Um, and, And there's a lot of reasons, but mostly because I believe this is something that God has birthed in my heart many years ago. I came and pastored in this neighborhood for a very specific reason. I remember a man who came and planted in this neighborhood, he... He built out. Um, he built out a, a warehouse just down the street, and he came in and thinking that he would build a mega church right here in this neighborhood. And I think he came because the rent was a little cheaper, even though it still got some some price to it. It's a little cheaper, and it's not downtown money. It's kind of inner city, and so he built it here. And he also thought that he would be able to to get all kinds of races and remember him coming to our church one day and, and he was just down the street from us and this pastor walked in the door and at the desk was a, a Hispanic young man who was working and, and myself, and then there was also a black young girl. She was sitting next to me. We were all working together. And he came in and he was complaining about this neighborhood. He was complaining that he's been here for six months and there hasn't been tons of people that have come. And, and he was complaining that he's been here for a long time and he came from the midwest and, and he planted here and, and he thought he was going to grow like that. And he has all put hundreds of thousands of dollars into a building and he's put all this time and effort into building and he was complaining. and. And he asked me, how have you stayed here this long? And then he looked at this black lady that was sitting next to me, this sister in Christ, this lady who we worked together for many years, and he said, where are all your people at? I'm used to having a lot of your people coming to my church. Then he looked at the Hispanic brother there, and he said, do you have a do you have a lot of Hispanics in this church? And he said, yeah. And I said, yeah, we do. We do have quite a few Hispanics in this church. And he goes, well, you must not get much money then because you all don't tithe. Inside of that became a big revelation of the kind of culture and place that we deal with. There are so many ignorant perceptions. There are so many realities that come with being different cultures different races and different classes and all of those cause us begin to believe things about one another and to begin to form perceptions, frozen perceptions that get into our minds. And inside of that, we try to sit at the same table and what ends up happening is we cannot fellowship with one another because we start pushing away from what is uncomfortable and we start pushing away from what we cannot understand. I will tell you this, two months later, the man closed his church and moved to the suburbs. That was a life-changing moment for me because my resolve grew deeper that I want to be here. I don't want to be here for a multicultural church where I can just say, look at how many blacks and whites and Hispanics I have in my church. I don't want to be here because of how much money I think I can get out of this community. I want to be here because I believe the gospel can knock down barriers and bring people together. And cause us to worship in the same place. And not just worship in the same place, but to be one people. A tapestry. Now I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. When we think of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, many of us think of it in light of spiritual gifts. Now I will tell you this. There was... Much of my life that I thought of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I thought the whole chapter, he's talking about spiritual gifts. As a good charismatic, which I was. You know, he talks about all the gifts. He talks about all the things that God has given each individual. And and that those, those gifts, we're supposed to work together. And then as we read that chapter, we would see, man, these one body, different gifts. And I thought as I read these scriptures, that this is what he was talking about. Now, I will show you this. The verses 1 through 11 does speak of spiritual gifts. But I want us to look at verse number 12. 12 and 13. Because what happens on verse 12 and 13 is a turning point in the Chapter. And and many people read verses 14 through 26 and what they think of is that he's saying we have People who have gifts that are lesser, maybe gifts of mercy don't seem as extravagant or, or gifts of, of this. And the, the prophet needs to, to look at those who have gifts of hospitality or whatever and they need to work together. And, and we think of these in regards of spiritual gifts and we talk about this body working together and this body illustration speaking of, of gifts. But, but here's what I, I want you to notice. There's a turning point and, and I will say this, I didn't notice this turning point until I read a book called Gracisms. You should write that title down. I think it would help you as we go through this series. It's called Graceism. It's speaking of what does it mean for us to be a people that view the world through the eyes of grace. Now, I want you to look at verse 12. It says this for just as one body is one and has many members and all members of the body though many are one body so it is with christ and so we think oh okay so what he's talking about is that each person has a different spiritual gift and each one of those spiritual gifts are many but each one needs to work together as members of the body now we could start applying it that way except you have to wrestle with verse 13 look at verse 13. For in one Spirit, we are all baptized into one body. And then he clarifies what he means by that. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one Spirit. Here's what I want you to see. Paul is not... In this text, in context here, he's not just speaking of spiritual gifts. He he clarifies what he's speaking of. And here's what he's speaking of. He's speaking of race when he says Jews and Greeks. And he's speaking of class when he says slaves or free. Race when he says Jews or Greek. And class when he says slaves or free. And so here's the picture that he's painting. Jews and Greeks rich and poor, every race, every class, drink from one cup. And that cup is the Spirit. When He's giving this illustration of the body that we're about to read, when He gives this illustration of the body, we got to get our minds out of this, this, this trap of just spiritual gifts and we have to begin to see verse 14 through 26 through a different lens and we have to read this in this lens every race and every class we are to be united but very diverse let me put all my cards on the table I'm not trying to fool anybody I do have an agenda with this series So let me put it all on the table. I was asked when I became a part of redemption, because we did a lot of time of just conversations, and they were very blessed by how diverse our congregation was, both in age, and race, class. And they said, look, I know this is important to you, but what if we put the redemption R on the the building? And all of a sudden, all the GCU college students go, man, that's the... Redemption Church and they all just run into the building and all of a sudden the whole face of the congregation changes and you become this young, white church. Would you be bothered by that? I said, I would be devastated by that. That would be the worst thing that could happen to us. Not if college students came. That's not the issue. But if we became a college church... That would bother me. If we became a white church, that would bother me. Just as it would bother me if we became a Hispanic church or a black church, it would would bother me because I don't believe that's the kind of reflection of the kingdom that this neighborhood really needs. And and I think it's important for us to realize that they were not asking this to say this will happen. They were asking this for a very specific reason which spurred on me going, look, If this is going to be what God has placed in our heart to be, we need to begin to take some real steps. That's when Wes and I began to talk. That's when we started to gather and have meetings to say, this is not only needs to be a focus of prayer, we need to preach on this, we need to call our people to this, we need to start living this thing out. It's not just going to happen if we're going to see this take place. Here's what happens if we don't pay attention to things like this we start to slide into comfort zones. Gathering with people that we are comfortable with, who look like us, who like the same things we like, who have the same financial status or the same color of skin or the same gender or the same age. You will slip into gathering with people like you if you don't believe the gospel. You will slip into finding other things to gather around. If you don't believe that the gospel pushes us into very uncomfortable reflections of His beauty and not ours. I'm going to show us a quick video, okay? And I want us to look at this video, and this spurred us to name this this series Tapestry, and and I think it will speak to us, and it's only a section of it. Hopefully it it will work, but go ahead and roll that. Here's why we're calling it tapestry, is this very quote. And I want you to hear this, and then we're going to dive into 1 Corinthians twelve fourteen, and we're going to set up this series. But I want you to hear what he said. A culture that supersedes our individuality while holding them as precious as they reflect the grace and glory of God. Let me make this clear. In this series, we are not fighting for genders and ethnicities and classes and ages to come together in a service and sing songs together. We're not calling for a multicultural expression of something. We're not calling for us to all come into this room and just sing together and go, look at how multicultural we are. What we are calling for is a culture that supersedes our our own cultures while... We hold those cultures as precious. We are desiring for His kingdom to come. His will be done in this place as it is in heaven. We're desiring that we would become a tapestry, a people who are who we are because God's created us in that way, in His image and likeness. That we believe that in community, in unity with one another, in this tapestry, that we actually display the beauty of the kingdom better than we can alone. Now, here's what I want us to do. I want us to stand together, and as we stand together, we're going to read verses 14 through 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and remember why we stand when we read His Word is so that we can remember that this is God's Word. This is not mine. This is God's Word. We, we're to remember when we read His Scripture that this is His Word. Remember that. And as we are reading, here's what I want us to do. I want us to take off any sort of blinders of going, this is just about spiritual gifts. And I want us to hear this in light of race and class. And I want us to, to see what Paul is writing here. which are more presentable parts, do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it. that There may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now... You are the body of Christ and individual members of it. God, would you take these words? Would you sink them deep into our hearts? And could we see a picture of your kingdom? And not just a picture that we look at, but could we desire to be a part of that tapestry? That our individualness would fade away with the desire of being a part of a bigger picture, that we would celebrate our individualness only as it reflects the grace and goodness of God as a part of a tapestry, a community of people that reflect Your kingdom to the world around it. God, teach us. Open our ears that we can hear Your words. In Jesus' name, the church said, Amen. You may be seated. Isn't it interesting to read that text in light of those things? It's eye-opening to me. To read that text in light of race and in light of class puts a whole new light on that text when it says things like, I don't belong. Or I don't need you. Or, Or it also says something to what a body should look like, because how can we say we're a body if we are all made up of the same? How can we say that we are truly a body if we are all made up of the same? Now that makes sense if we start putting it in the light of spiritual gifts, because then we say, well this person is administrative, and this person preaches, and this person prophesies, and this person does this, but we're all white! And we're a body. Why? Because our gifts are different. What this text is, it pushes at that and says, how can you be a body if you're all the same? Speaking of race, speaking of class, how many of us really desire when we walk into a room, when we really start to think about it, we look around for people who look like us? And it may not just be color, it may be class. You know there's rich churches and poor churches, right? I feel more comfortable going to where rich people are. It's nicer, it's cleaner, it's cooler. Or I feel more comfortable going where the poor people are because those are my people. The reality of this text is saying, that's not an expression of the body. That's not a body. That's all the same. Gathering in one place. How can you call yourself a body if you're all an eye or if you're all an ear or if you're all. You can't. Could you see how this would be really controversial in that time? Obviously, not now because all of us are not that divided. Where only Jews would gather and worship together, or only Greeks would gather and worship together. And here's what Paul's saying, that's not a reflection of the body. Where only slaves would gather and worship together, or only free, where each class would gather based upon rich and poor. Why? Because the rich don't want to take care of the poor, and the poor don't want to feel like a charity. This is really controversial when you read it in light of this. It begins to question every reason we gather together and it begins to put weight on a congregation to say, what does it look like for this to happen? And should I be so committed to this happening that I do some really important things? Here's some things I want you to write down. One is this. How does a tapestry become a tapestry and we'll talk about that at the end I'll I'll end with the positive and then how does a tapestry unravel if you will this text shows both of those and here's here's when we see it unraveling first this an unraveling of the tapestry happens when we say things like I do not belong you see that take place in the first in the first section of scripture verse 14 through 20 you hear this, because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body. Or, because I am not the eye, I do not belong to the body. Here's, here is someone walking into the body, seeing a hand body. Walking in and immediately saying, I do not look like them. I do not think like them. I am different than them. And here's what they say, I don't belong. Here's how a tapestry unravels. Insecurity. Insecurity and uniformity will destroy a tapestry. When someone comes in and they see this predominant culture, this preferred culture, and they look at this culture and they go, I don't belong here. That destroys this This tapestry. Why? Because it assumes that what this body needs is more of the same rather than the uniqueness of what God has gifted you with to bring to the body. Insecurity is a a form of pride. It's It's a... condemning form of pride. It's this idea that I'm humble but I'm really proud, proud. I'm really looking for uniformity but I walk into this place and I judge everybody and their hearts around them and I say look at how they look on the outward because you don't know their hearts. They, they don't look the same as me. They don't, they, don't, they don't have the same class or same race. These are the things I can see or they don't, they don't dress the same or whatever it is, this outward thing and they go I don't belong here. Paul's speaking to insecurity. He's speaking to this idea of when I go into a place, into a a community, I'm looking to belong based upon other things rather than Christ. Insecurity unravels the tapestry. Now, I want to speak to that because I think we are more prone to that than we realize. When we go church shopping, and that's our culture church shopping. What are we looking for? Most of us, if we were honest, are looking for people like us. A place to belong as if a community is formed around you. We're looking to belong. And not only are we doing that, but the reality of it is, it's celebrated in our culture. And then we sit in all of our congregations and say, Sunday morning is the most segregated time in our culture. Why is it? Why is it? We should be, the church should be united. All races should come together. And all people should come together. And then at the very bottom level, when we walk into rooms... We say, I don't belong. Here's the other thing, and we see these in the next parts of Scripture. This this statement, I have no need of you. This is another side. Pride, or I'll, I'll even take it down a notch. I won't call it pride. You'll hear this a lot in this series. We'll call it preference. People who have a preferred culture people who are a part of the predominant culture people who have the strength in the culture they are the ones that fit in they are the ones who are comfortable they are the ones who have the strength in the community and they look out at others and say we don't need that we don't need the poor we don't need different races we got all that we need right here we don't need that we don't value the weaker why why do we not value the weaker because it's work because it's uncomfortable because we're used to our preferences and our ways and we're used to how we do things and this pushes against it when we say look This is just our people. We get together. We like the same stuff. We sing the same songs. We do the same thing. We look the same way. We love each other. We love everybody else. And they can do their things, but we don't need them in here. That reality pushes against what Paul is trying to assert upon the body. What he's trying to show the kingdom of God. What he's showing that a body should look like. Insecurity, pride and preference. And, and here's what I here's what I want you to, to hear. Both of those. Insecurity, this desire to belong, and preference or pride. Both of these pushing. Here's what you're going to hear. Because we're going to go through four weeks. And two of the weeks I'm going to I'm going to preach. And then my brother Wes and my brother Wayne, they're going to preach. Yeah, that's a. I'm ready for that. I'm excited for that. And every one of those weeks, we're going to go through things that divide. We're going to go through sex, sexism or gender. Men and women. In, in, in that, there is a preferred or there is a stronger and a weaker. And this is what the Bible describes. There is, there is those inside of gender that, that are a part of what is the weaker vessel and those who are a part of the stronger vessel. God made them both in that image and likeness and there is a way that that should be lived out in the kingdom of God and there is a way that the world around us thinks this should be handled. What we're searching for is to understand one has strength and preference and the other has weakness and both of them can destroy this tapestry if they're insecure or prideful. Race, we're going to dive into that. There's a preferred culture. We're going to talk about a preferred culture. There's a minority or a, or a, uh, a minority culture, and inside of that, there is insecurity and pride that can destroy the tapestry. generationalism or age. We're going to dive into that in class. And every one of those has inside of it both that preferred and, and that weaker side of it. And every one of it has to look through this lens of the gospel and they cannot have these phrases on their mouth. Those who are a part of the, the weaker or the minority or, or, or those who are part of that which they come in, they cannot have the phrase, I do not belong on their mouth. And those who have all those kinds of people, the preferred culture, those who have all the preference and the power and the strength, they can't have on their mouth, I don't need you. They have to have this deep, abiding desire to to use their preference and to lay down their preference for the sake of the whole. And if this does not happen in the body of Christ, and they begin to see what destroys the tapestry, that we won't do what this text says, how do we become a tapestry? Let's look, let's look at this. We'll end with this. Verse 23 says this, we show special honor. Do you see that in verse 23? And those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow, we'd bestow greater honor. We don't say, I don't belong or I don't need you. What we say is, I will lift you up. wish we could spend more time on each one of these. I'm just going to mention them and move on. Because we're going to break each one of these down as we go. Verse 23 also shows that not only do we show special honor, we show special modesty. There are certain parts that need to be covered and certain parts that don't. And the body... Should not expose those parts that need to be covered, and we should show special honesty. We should say, I will cover you, not I will expose you, I will cover you. What does verse 24 show us? It shows us that we need to show no special treatment. There is story after story after story in the Bible of people trying to get the better seats, of people trying to have the, the preferred place, of people coming in. And what does the Bible show us? That when we come in as a part of the kingdom of God, we're not looking for the best seat. We don't want special treatment because of who we are or what we have. We don't want that. What do we want? No special treatment. We want the tapestry. What do we want? We want to say, I will share with you. It's all about the tapestry. What else do we see? Verse 24 says this, we show greater honor to the parts that have less honor. What do we say to the parts that have less honor? To the greater parts, we say, I will honor you. Verse 24 shows us that. What does verse 25 show us? It says this, we will stand, we will not stand for division. There will be no division. And so out of our mouth will be, I will stand with you. Even though we're different, I will stand with you. Even though I don't feel like I belong, I will stand with you. Even though I, I, I want to drift to the preferred place and find a place of comfort, I will stand with you. There's a deep commitment in this kind of body to say, I will stand with people who are different than me. What else? Verse 25 says this. There's equal concern. I will consider you. I have equal concern. I don't just have concern for myself. I don't just have concern for mine and my own. I don't have just concern for... For me and ours, I have equal concern for every part. This could be different than a lot of church culture, right? Because those who have preferred places, those who have more money, those who have more influence seem to get more consideration. We have got to be committed to this equal concern, that we have to be concerned with all parts. Here is in verse 26, I think, the part that a lot of us will and can struggle with. Verse 26, let's, let's look at this. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I wish we could spend time breaking each one of these down, but what you'll see over the series is that we will spend a lot of time focusing on different points of this. I think for us, if I just got real cultural, I think a lot of us don't have a problem celebrating with those or, or or suffering with those who are suffering. I have seen in this community a real sense of surrounding those in suffering. I've seen it over and over and over and over again. The part that I think we could struggle with the most is celebrating with those who are succeeding. It is hard when somebody is going through a hard time to look at somebody succeeding and say, if my life was like theirs, I would be as happy as they are too. And what we need to be careful on is not suffering with those who are suffering. I I do think we need to continue that and be ingrained in that, but we need to learn what does it look like to celebrate with people even when we hurt as they're celebrating. will cause us to say things like, I will celebrate with you. And I will suffer with you. Here's what I want us to, to do in this first sermon. Because I'm not going to dive into specifics. Next week, I'm going to go into sexism. The week after, I'm going to go into racism. The following week, Wayne is going to go into classism. The week after that, Wes is going to go into generationalism. And each one of those is going to have some real practical things. But but today, all I wanted to do is give us a big picture of why we're doing this series so that our hearts could wrap around this, so that we come every week ready to apply what we have heard and understand here to be able to say, God, I I want to be a part of this tapestry I want to display your kingdom, your glory to the world around us. And here's, here's how we apply this. And I want you to look up on the screen here. First is this. Everyone will learn in this series. Hear me on this. There will be gospel instruction for both sides of this issues, Men and women. Every race. Minority preferred. Rich poor. Old young. There will be gospel instruction for every side. And what we must do is not come in here and say, they really need to hear this. They're the ones who are causing this whole thing to fall apart. Here's what we need to understand. If we're going to sit at the same table together, we all need to come in as learners. That we need to understand that the Gospel is going to both confront the preferred side, the strong side, and it's going to call the weak side, the minority side, to rise up. It's going to correct the preferred and the strong, and it's going to call the minority and the weak. It's going to call both into the same thing, and it's going to handle the issue not from us saying, here's how we deal with this issue. Here's how we deal with, with, uh, with chauvinism, feminism. No, that's not the answer. Woman power is not the answer to chauvinism. The gospel is. Here's how we deal with the race issue, that we have this white power, this preferred culture. Here's how we deal with it. Let's go for black power or or Chicano power. Here's how we we rise up. That's not going to deal with it. That's going to cause more division. Each one of these, class, here's how we do it. We we don't have any more rich and we don't have any more poor. Everybody is, no, 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 that's not how we deal with this issue. that we all need to come to the table learning and we all need to come to the table being ready to hear the gospel and apply the gospel. Second is this. We need to live this out. And in order to live this out, it's going to be uncomfortable, hard work, filled with great beauty. This is going to be uncomfortable. We're just, just count on it. Every week say, okay, this is going to be uncomfortable. But here's the encouragement. Don't push away from the table. We need to love and understand that this is uncomfortable for all of us and we need to dive into this hard work. Why? Because it's going to be more beautiful. It's going to be a display of the gospel and the the beauty of a tapestry. And in order to do that, we need to dive into the hard work of this. Third is this. This will not just happen. We have to believe it and want it and engage in it. That means this. If you're just thinking, well, come on, we'll just naturally become this. Naturally, we won't. But by the Spirit, by His help, if we believe in the truths of the gospel and His Spirit changes our want to, we will actively, intentionally engage with this. We will be a part of the conversation. Meaning, we'll just sit down and go, look, guys, this is going to be really uncomfortable and at some point I'm going to get angry and you are too, but we're going we're to walk away better because of it. The last thing is this, as West comes and the band comes. As we go into this time of communion, we have to remember what our center is if we're really going to be a tapestry. Remember this. It is the work of Christ. It is the gospel It is His death, burial, and resurrection. It is His ascension. It is His body. We are His body. And the reason why we are pushing into this together is not because we think, oh, it would be really cool to be a part of this tapestry. No, it's because we believe God, by His Spirit, through His Son, He's paid for it. By His Spirit, He's empowered it. And He wants this. For his body. That means we need to engage in it. So as we come to this table, as Wes comes and he calls us to this table we have to remember that we see all throughout scripture this is an ethic of the gospel. God I pray that these words would sink so deep into our hearts that we would be so convinced today that this is what we need so convinced today that this is what will reflect the beauty, the kingdom of God to the world around us. That they will see Jesus. That people will not walk in this room and see, oh, I belong because the music. I belong because the race. I belong because the gender. I belong because the age. That they would not be able to find any other thing that brings us together but You, Jesus. That they would be confused when they look around a room and see... All races, all ages, all genders, all classes sitting in the same room together, worshiping you together, loving one another, praying for one another, caring for one another, celebrating with one another, suffering with one another, committed to one another. They wouldn't just see tolerance, they would see love, genuine love. They wouldn't just see multiculturalness where people are all doing their own thing, but they would see the beauty of those lives melted together, displaying your beauty and holding on to the preciousness of their individuality while they display your kingdom, your beauty in unity with one another. Let that be on our hearts and minds as we think about our head Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.